This morning, where my clicker go? Oh, I don't need it. I got, I got ProPresenter remote on here. So I've also got Perrier on Easter morning. Took it up a notch. Um, I want to talk about the power of Jesus' resurrection with, a, with also touching on breaking off familiarity. I think in the church, it's, I think just human nature in general, it's real easy to become familiar with things, right? And in Acts 28, Paul's preaching. It's like one of the last paragraphs in Acts 28, but Paul's preaching, and the people he's preaching to are like basically saying, you're crazy, you're making this up, we don't believe you. And it says, it quotes Isaiah, that that passage that gets quoted out of Isaiah many, many times where it says they could not hear, their, their ears were dull to hearing, they could not see. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. And it says that they became, their hearts became insensitive. Some translations say their hearts became dull. And I think what happens is, and so the, he's, he's talking, he was preaching to uh, Jewish leaders who had heard the Bible all their life. They had heard the, old, the Torah and the prophets, and they just had their ideas of, of what the Messiah was going to look like, right? And so I feel like that's the, the human condition is this one that wants to, to fall into dullness, fall into slumber, fall into apathy, just this kind of going to sleep, not sleepwalking through life, right? Not being engaged, just trying to just surviving that time of, you know, the world of the walking dead, which is what we are without Jesus. I mean, have you ever wondered why like zombie movies got and shows got popular? It, I'm telling you, there's prophetic signs all the time everywhere you look. And there is... If you, if you look at the world, one of, one of the questions you can ask the Lord is like, you read the news headlines and you're like, God, if this was a dream, what would it mean? And he, he can start showing you stuff. And, you know, but when the zombie shows were coming out, it's, it was just like a sign. God's like, guys, you need, the, you need resurrection life. The world needs the resurrection. It needs life. And so, you know, Paul... In Philippians chapter 3, he said, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them mere garbage so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him. That's the key phrase. He says, I may, I may be found in him. And there was, I remember one time I was going through an inner healing prayer uh, a few years ago, this was when we lived back in Texas, and I had this picture of me and Jesus, and some, you may have heard this story before, but listen, I'm only one guy, I've only got so many stories, all right, so, <laughs> but I was, I was with the Lord, and we were fighting this army of like ogres, you know, it was, you know, Lord of the Rings kind of guys, and I'm just, you know, I'm killing, I'm killing ogres 
But they just cut, there's an endless sea of them. And I'm, and I'm killing, I'm getting, starting to get tired. And um, Jesus is supposed to be fighting with me, but he's, he's standing over to the side watching me like this. And he's doing this. And I said, Jesus, why aren't you fighting? He said, I can't fight with you all the way over there. So you got to come inside of me. You got to come into me. And I said, but I want to fight for you. I don't want to fight in you. I want to fight for you. And he, and he just didn't answer. He just still looked at me and kind of like, well, suit yourself. And so I'm, I'm fighting and I'm fighting. And then I kind of, you know, reluctantly <laughs> went over and, get, and when I, I stepped into Jesus and when I stepped into him, I disappeared. It wasn't like we morphed into this Jesus Travis person and we're like, you know, yeah, it was just Jesus. I disappeared. And when, the, when I stepped to him, Jesus took out this huge blazing sword and it was like, Phew! and the whole army went down with one swoop. And what I learned from that was, is like, why did, why did, why did I want to fight over here? It's because I wanted to be seen. I wanted, and if I'm fighting for Jesus, then I can kind of bring him, you know, I can bring him a trophy of some sort. Look what I did for you. It's like a, it's a striving. But when I'm found in him, he gets all glory. It, it starts with him and it ends with him. It does, over here, it starts with Travis, ends with Jesus. It's still dead works. And I, I will exhaust myself, I will burn out, I will get tired, and I'll probably give up over here on this side. But if I, I go over here and I'm found in Jesus, he gets all the glory, we destroy the enemy, and I see, I'm seated at the right hand of God in Christ. So Paul says, he says this, that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, the other side, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. We, sometimes we leave that part out. Being conformed to his death, if somehow I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, uh, yesterday, I had to, I didn't have to, I was, I was privileged to speak at a friend's baby's funeral. They, they had a, a baby that was, died in the womb, and she had to deliver, uh, you know, the baby dead in the hospital. And we w walked with them through this, and... I was uh, reading from John 12, which says, you know, if a seed, when it falls into the ground and it dies, it, it bears much fruit after that. And then Jesus talks about suffering for the cross, going to the cross. And those who follow him are with him where he goes. And I didn't even have, as I was reading it, like the Lord was speaking to me. It says, because of the suffering that they endured through losing a child, there's actually the, re the reward for going through that suffering is to experience more of 
the glory of God. They actually get to experience love at a deeper level. And that's what, that's what God does with suffering. I'm not saying God is the author of all suffering. But what I'm saying is, is that he, it's an opportunity that God uses to take you deeper into his love, which when you, when you love more, you fear less, and you, go, you have a more, more abundant life. And so God just wins with any hand. And, even, and so Paul is saying this. is like the sufferings, yeah, they're, they're light and they're momentary. But I get to know the power of his resurrection. And the same is true for their child. I believe that they'll, they'll see this little George again one day. So the contempt of familiarity and... Um, you know, like I said, it's human nature to grow dull. We become accustomed to comfort. And then we start to complain about anything we don't have. And I, sometimes, how many of y'all, sometimes you get in the bed after a long day of work and you're like, thank you, Jesus, for this bed. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, man, this bed feels so good. And I, I mean, I have thoughts of like, I could be sleeping on a rock every night. Or my pillow be a rock or whatever, or mat, dirt, you know. I've been listening to uh, the autobiography of Booker T. Washington, and he grew up in slavery on a dirt floor in a cabin that had holes the size of, you know, this big around all, all in the house. And I just, I think something as simple as a bed, I was like, I get to sleep in a bed. And it's a nice bed, you know. Thank you, Lord, for that. But this, my point is, is that um, we can take those things for granted. And comfort can be a slave master. And you can translate comfort for your flesh. And Paul says, I, I beat my body, so I make it my slave. And so he's not saying that he flogged himself. But what he's saying is, like, he, body, you're my servant, you do what I tell you to do. And he talks about not being led around by our appetites, whether it's literal appetite or, hey, I, I want to comfort myself with a shopping spree or some entertainment or whatever. None of the, shopping's not wrong. Watching a movie's not wrong. I'm not saying that. But when it's, you're being led around by that thing, it's become your idol. And so we've gotten, you know, and I translate this over into the church as if, and if you've been involved in charismatic churches, um, I grew up Southern Baptist. Half my life was Southern Baptist. Half my life has been in a charismatic church that I've either been a part of or been leading. And I hate to even say charismatic because people have different ideas of what that is. Um, I just tell people we believe the Bible. That's my definition of charismatic church. So anyways, um, but we've gotten saturated with testimonies of miracles and healings, prophetic words, and even, you know, even salvations in other camps. Like we hear about stuff that's going on over here, man. You're, uh, Todd White and Robbie Dawkins and Bethel. And, you know, th oh, that's great. That's awesome. That, hurrah. You know, we don't. It's, and part of it's like social media. You see it. It's like, hey, this, this is happening over here. This is happening over there. And you, you can get numb to it. You can get familiar with it. It's like, hey, so many people were saved at the beach. 
Let's see what's next. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You get. <laughs> what if we didn't have like the social media? Somebody's like, dude, some, 70 people got saved at the beach, like on the mission trip. We'd be arm, you know, whatever that bro arm thing is. You know, we'd be, we'd be doing that together. And so I want to confess to y'all, and I, I've repented to the Lord, but I repent to y'all that I feel like I've grown familiar with healings, prophetic words, salvations. And in any way that it's affected y'all, I want you to forgive me because Paul he says, you know, I didn't come to you in words only. I came to you in demonstration of the spirit and of power. And when Paul was speaking on that, he's speaking to the Corinthians who had a high value for you being an amazing orator. That was the Greek culture. The most respected men, we know their names, right? Aristotle, Socrates, I'm teasing, Socrates, and... <laughs> Thank you. Jason's old enough to know the reference. Um, these guys were great orators. And that's why they, they had this idea that knowledge was the highest value. Knowledge is what made you great. And Paul, in Corinthians, he says, listen, knowledge puffs up. Knowledge will puff you up if that's the only thing you value. Nothing wrong with knowing a lot of stuff. But he said, but Paul, I think of Paul as like being a great preacher, right? But he says he's, he's coming next to these guys and they're making fun of him that he can't speak well. And he said, listen, you probably speak better than me. But I carry the power of God. And it was no, it was not an arrogant statement. He just said, I came not with just words only. I came in demonstration of the spirit and of power. And you have man's wisdom, but I'm here to tell you, Man's wisdom is foolishness to God, and the wisdom of God looks foolish to you. The cross looks foolish to you, but it's the power of God to those who believe. And so I remember going to Brazil and seeing, this was back in 2007, went with Randy Clark's ministry, seeing hundreds of people healed. Lots of people healed through my own hands. And as part of like coming under a ministry that operates in that, Randy Clark, that's what, that was his ministry. He had a healing evangelism ministry. And so I got to experience that by coming under a man that operated in that. And, you know, I saw scoliosis straighten up before my eyes. I saw a girl's, she had um, crossed, crossed eyes, and her eyes straightened up right in front of me. I saw tumors leave. Um, I was in Nicaragua with Steve Fish, just hugging a girl, a little girl who came to the front. She was probably eight years old. And she, you know, I didn't, I butchered Spanish while I was down there, you know, and I'm, so I couldn't really communicate with this girl. I just gave her a hug and I had my hand on her back. Her mom later came up and said she, when she had gone down there, she was worried that I would, 
I was hurting her because she had this real sensitive like tumor on her back. I didn't even know the tumor was there. I just was praying for her to receive the Father's love. And when my, my hand was on the tumor, it shrunk to the size of a, it was the size of a grapefruit. And it shrunk to the size of a golf ball. And I wasn't even praying for the tumor. And so God does that stuff. That's, you want to talk about like not getting in glory for anything? That's like total Jesus move. But I was down in Brazil, and I remember, like, at the end of the, the two weeks where we saw all kinds of crazy things happen, our team's falling out. You, you know, you, try, you get back on the bus, people are, like, they're get, going through their seats, and they're just falling over in the, in the spirit. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. And still, I wasn't satisfied. I was like, I thought this was going to, like, hit something in my heart. And so I was taught, you know, I thought this was going to be like, yes, this is it. This is what it's about. I don't, you know, I just thought it was going to do something more in my heart than it did. And so I was talking to the Lord about it. I was like, God, what's going on? And I heard him say, he said, final destination, love. Final destination, love. He said, and he was like, Travis, my love is the only thing that will ever satisfy you. And the reason I heal people is because I want them to know I love them. And so I came back from that trip, and I had a, uh, a client. I was personal training at LA Fitness in Fort Worth, and he was a homosexual man and formed a, a great friendship with him. He tried to, he, he, many times he tried to see if I would get offended at things that he said that are kind of unmentionable. And I, I told him, I was like, listen, dude, I, I wasn't always a preacher. So, and, and I don't get, I don't blush very much, you know. So one day he had gotten injured and he had um, hurt his shoulder and he couldn't, he basically couldn't move his shoulder. And I didn't even ask him, I don't know why. I usually ask people, which is a good thing to do, but I just, I just, Maybe it's because I knew him. I just said, I was like, be healed in Jesus' name. And he looked at me. He said, okay. <laughs> Next day, he comes back to train. And he says, you know that um, thing you did yesterday? He said, it hasn't hurt. He's <laughs> and I said, do you know why Jesus healed you? He said, No. I said, because he loves you. And he said, I thought it was because you were a W-I-T-C-H. <laughs> I was like, I ain't that for sure. Uh, but that was after the Brazil trip. And the, the gifts of the Spirit are God's love languages. When you give a prophetic word, it's so somebody, that person can experience the love and the kindness of God. When you pray for healing and they, get, and they get healed, or even sometimes people don't get healed and they still encounter the Lord. Or they're amazed that you, that you actually believe what you talk, what you say, that you actually do what you say. You're like, you actually believe that. 
Yes. So I'm going to pray. And, you know, how do you know you have enough faith to pray for the sick? You pray for the sick. That's it. You don't, you're not like, oh, my faith isn't, uh, I don't know. You just pray, you pray for the sick. So, you know, I fell in love with Jessica, the person. I didn't, I didn't fall in love with Jessica's love language, which she's, there's a sixth one for Jessica. It's called efficiency. So sixth love language. She gets really excited when things are efficient and productive. And I'm, I'm like, can I bottle this somehow? But, it, it, but I didn't fall in love with that. I didn't fall in love with her efficiency. I fell in love with Jessica, and, I, and I'm not trying to get to her to be efficient or do even I'm not even trying to be efficient for her I'm just, I love Jessica and it's the same way with the Lord this morning I was praying to the Lord and the Lord he spoke to me he said Travis don't don't pray for fire and anointing unto, like by themselves he said, the goal of prayer is to, is to connect with me who has the fire and who has the anointing. It's just like what Paul said. That may be found in him. You want to be anointed? Be found in the anointed one. You want to burn with fire? Be found in the one whose eyes burn like fire. Right? And that it's so easy to get this thing over here that Jesus can give us in front of him. It's just really, and listen, we're probably all going to do it at some point. And when you do, it's real simple to get back in. You repent. Repentance should be like a lifestyle. It's not this thing when like the crap really hits the fan. I need to repent. No, repentance. Paul said, I die daily. And what he means is that I'm repenting. I'm dying to my flesh daily. I'm repenting daily. I'm suffering daily. And, and so when you repent, think of repentance as a GPS system. Psalm 23, verse 3 says, you lead me down the path of righteousness for your namesake. Not for Travis's namesake, for Jesus' name, for Jesus' glory. So you lead me down the path of righteousness for your namesake. And so what happens is, you know, I start putting fire and anointing before Jesus. I start getting off the path. I start getting out, you know, this, here's the path right down here down the middle, and I just start kind of walking this way. And the Lord says, Travis, Travis, you're getting this before me. Thank you, Lord. I see that. I repent. And it takes me back on the path, right? That's what repentance does. It just gets you back on the path. It gets you back into alignment with the Lord. It gets you back in him. And so repentance is not a thing to dread. It's a, it's a lifestyle. And I, I love repentance because you, it's like when you repent, it's like you feel like God's embrace, right? How many of y'all, you've experienced that? You're like, man, I, I repent, and now I just feel like the kindness of God. I'm like, I'm, even this morning, I was like, God, thank you for showing me that. I didn't know I was walking over here. So let's fall in love with Jesus all over again.
think I read that. Now, Paul, Paul, he, he, uh, he says, I consider all things a loss. Now, Paul would be like a modern-day celebrity in, in Israel. He was born, on the eighth, or born to the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. He's of the nation of Israel. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee. He kept the law, the Hebrew, I mean, the Pharisaical law perfectly. He said, I kept it perfectly. I'm like, that is crazy and then he was so zealous he started persecuting christians and so paul and that he would have had money because he was he would and he his mentor was gamaliel who's considered like the rabbi of rabbis so i think paul was in line to be the high priest i think he was in line to be called the rabbi of rabbis in his lifetime and he would have had and pharisees were not poor they had they had money so he gave up money, he gave up notoriety, he gave up political power, he gave up the praise of man, all for Jesus. And he says, you want to read what an apostle does? If, if somebody's like, Lord, make me an apostle, go read 1 Corinthians 4 and then duck. <laughs> Shipwrecked, beaten, thrown in prison, considered scum of the earth, reviled, ridiculed. We do it all for your sake, Corinth. Corinth. <laughs> Philippians 3.10 says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if I somehow may attain to the resurrection of the dead. So our chief goal is to know him. It's impossible to know Jesus and not be impacted by his presence. Suffering serves its purpose. Don't, don't let a problem and don't let a suffering go away without giving you a profit. Say, Lord, I want to profit off of this thing. I want to make a profit off of this problem. And then Paul, he says this, not that I've already grasped it or have already become perfect, but I press on that I may also take hold of that for which I was even taken hold of by Christ Jesus. So I love this picture of like Jesus. I'm not gonna rip this really nice shirt right here. <laughs> Jesus just taking taking us, and He took hold of us. He's like, you were born for a, a purpose and a destiny, and He's got us. He says, I paid a price for you. I paid a I paid a heavy price for you, and you've got purpose. You've got destiny. You've got, I've got plans for you to destroy the works of the enemy. I've got plans to change your family line, to release blessing up to a thousand generations. He has an inheritance that he purchased and he bought for us. And Paul says, I lay hold of Jesus just the same way he laid hold of me. And so Paul, I imagine he's saying, Jesus, help me experience everything that you paid for and nothing less. And so when we become familiar, it sets the bar low. And so this, this is part of the awakening's calling. We, we, it says we're to raise up a standard, and it's a play on words. It's talking about raising up a flag, but we raise up a standard. And so this is why I'm re repenting to you because 
the standard is up here, and I feel like I've been down here. I still have, just two days ago, I prayed for a lady at Hobby Lobby to be healed. But there's still not a sense of awe and wonder that needs to be on my life when I do that. And a sense of, because the Lord is, somebody got healed, one of my clients got healed the other day, and I kind of nodded my head. I was like, God, I want to experience the awe and wonder again. I want to, I was, a, a headache getting healed is just as miraculous as cancer being healed because you can't do either one of them. And so Paul says, I do not regard myself as having taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature, let's have this attitude. If in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that to you as well. However, let's keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Paul had probably seen more supernatural stuff than the state of Georgia combined. And he's still, he's like, I'm forgetting what lies behind. And I'm pressing on towards that upward goal of knowing Christ. And he's like, he's not chasing signs and wonders. He's not chasing miracles. He's chasing Jesus. But wherever Jesus goes, miracles, signs and wonders, salvations, healings, deliverance breaks out. And so you see how easy it is to get one before the other, but we have to, we, we've got to follow Jesus. And, and lately, what's been good for me is confessing my just utter weakness before Jesus when I, when I pray to him. I was like, I have nothing to give you. <laughs> I don't have anything. But Paul said, when you forget what lies behind, he says, this is a sign of maturity. When you're not banking on your old stories, but you're like, look, let me tell you what happened yesterday. Let me tell you what we're doing tomorrow. But it's also a maturity to forget, like, you know what? I've prayed for people. I haven't seen anybody healed. I don't know if that's for me. Forget that. Are you living for results or are you living to obey the Lord? Obedience is greater than fruit. You know how people, that's cool to do that, that greater sign thing now? Obedience is greater than fruit. Obedience is greater than fruit. You can't make fruit anyways, right? Obedience is greater than fruit. That's the sign of maturity. Son, can I leave you in charge of the house? Yes, sir. And when I come back, the house is clean. I asked, uh, you know, I asked the kids to do some chores while I was gone. They did the chores. Guess what? Trust level just went. Boop. But I wasn't asking them to do that when they were three. Hey, kids, y'all got this?
also went through a training. We just didn't like, here's the laundry, go do it. And they just stand there looking up. We taught them how to fold laundry. We taught them how to wash the dishes, all, all the other chores. G Holy Spirit likes training you. It's not a burden. And the, another thing that the Lord spoke to me the other day, I feel like fits in with what I just said, is the Lord told me, he said, Travis, I delight in your mistakes. Now, I'm not talking about sin. Mistakes and sin are two different things. Mistakes are when you're, all right, Lord, I think you're telling me to do this, and I'm going to try to do it. Here we go. And then it just, maybe it blows up and it doesn't happen the way you thought it was going to or, or you fumble your words or whatever. And he's just like, mm, man, I love that. That's good. That's rich. I love that. He loves it when we make mistakes. What grieves him is when we give up on the process. So I'm here to just tell you, don't give up. Don't give up on the process. Just keep, he's like, Lord, I prayed a hundred times, nobody got healed. If you want me to pray for healing, I'll do it one more time. And then the next time you tell me, I'll do it again. Or if you want me, you want me to, whatever he's asking you to do, God, you're asking me to spend this time in prayer. You're asking me to give cookies to my neighbor. He has, he's got all kinds of things he likes to do. All right, I'm going long. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not in words, but in power. And that's what I long to see in my life. Is like, Just like when uh, Charles Finney walks into a, a cotton mill in upper state New York, and he walks in, and every, the spirit of conviction hits the whole factory, and people start wailing in repentance, confronted with their sin. And he hasn't said a word. Smith Wigglesworth, same thing happened. He got on a train didn't say a word. People were like, oh, Jesus, forgive me. The spirit of conviction came. Peter walks by somebody. His shadow hits them. They get healed. And he's like, bonus. <laughs> That's what I was talking about. Like, that was exactly what happened to me with that girl in Nicaragua. I was like, wait, she had a tumor where my hand was and she got healed? Bonus. You know, it's, but we... That's what I'm looking for. So have ways to, to cure familiarity. Cultivate your love relationship with Jesus. Look at prayer as this. Staying connected. Staying connected. Don't look at it as trying to get something. Look at it as staying connected. Because in him you have everything you need. Stay connected. Secondly, cultivate thankfulness and celebration. Laugh on purpose. I do that. This has been one of my best tools. So Jessica and I, I know it's hard to y'all to believe, but we we butt heads sometimes. And um, Tuesday morning we were pre, we were teaching the Wesley leadership staff, and the previous two nights we we're trying to get together on what we're going to say, and it's just a disaster. And Monday night, we're, we're talking about what we're going to say, and Jessica says, this would be, I'm just being honest here, this would be easier if I didn't have, if you weren't involved in this. 
And I said, I know, I agree. I, this would be easier if one of us were doing it. And, um, and, and so I said, they, she felt like I was not as, bought, you know, whatever, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Invested, Kelly. Have you used that word before? No, no. Um, I wasn't as invested as she was. And I said, well, honey, she asked you to teach. I'm just here to support you. She said, no, she asked both of us. And I was like, what? For like two months? So like miscommunication, trying to work together. Tuesday morning comes, and there's a little bit of tension between Jessica and I. I was like, God, this, I don't, I just didn't know what was going to happen. And so I, I'm in my car, and I'm praying. I'm just like, you know what, devil? When Jessica and I minister together, it's amazing. <laughs> I had to start laughing. I said, it's going to be amazing. Jesus is with us. He's bigger than our problems. He's bigger than our weaknesses. You're going to lose. We win. <laughs> and I just laughed the whole way to Wesley. <laughs> now, I didn't feel like laughing, but I'm intentionally laughing. And it ended up probably being the best team ministry time we've ever had together. Like, the Lord was there. But the moment I'm, less, I'm just like giving in to the emotions in my heart of like, this is going to probably stink. We're not really unified. Jessica hates teaching with me. Da-da-da-da-da. All the lies the devil likes to throw out there, and I'm just like, you're a liar. You're a liar. Jesus says something different. He says something different. Our marriage is beautiful. We're, when we minister together, wonderful things happen because Jesus is with us. And it, and it happened. And it's not an arrogant thing. It's the truth of what Jesus says over you. And so cultivate thankfulness, cultivate celebration, laugh on purpose. I'll add that in there. Read stories on revival on what God has done in the past. Find like-minded people to be with. I, I just read a, a testimony from the Azusa Street Revival where this child had her teeth, her mouth was full of rotten teeth. And uh, one of the ladies from Azusa Street says, I love praying for teeth. Come over here. And they, they put her, their hand over the girl's mouth, all the rotten, and, and she held her hand out expecting the teeth to fall out. She was like, so she had one hand in her mouth, one hand on her mouth. She said, rotten teeth come out. And they started dropping in her hand. And she said, Lord, give her some new teeth. She had her mouth closed. And when she opened her mouth, she had a new set of teeth. And so that's the standard. We press on towards that goal, towards that prize, because that's what Jesus loves to do. Not because, hey, go tell your friends that, like, teeth grow back at the awakening. No, we want people, if anybody knows about the awakening, it's because Jesus is there, guys. Jesus is there. So let's stand. If the worship team will come up.
So we're just going to give this time to Holy Spirit and we'll release you in a minute to get your kids. But I want, I want us to just ask the, the Holy Spirit to you know, examine our hearts. If there's any place we become familiar and sensitive, dull, and just for him to, uh, just to repent and let him sharpen us again. This is not a shame thing. This is part of life, just getting back on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. We thank you for resurrection life, Jesus. We thank you that you provided a way into your arms to abide in you. We thank you for the gift of repentance. We thank you for how it aligns us back with you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you break shame off right now. I just declare shame being broken off of you. Any sense of condemnation, any sense of like, well, you know what? I've, I've disobeyed the Lord so many times. I've disobeyed his, his leading so many times. I'm probably just not that guy or girl. That's a lie. That's a lie. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So he's waiting. He just wants us to get back into alignment with him. Get back into agreement. Get back to being in found in him. like um, what the Lord wants to do today is I think he wants to give us courage I think he just wants to give us courage and so I'd like to I want to pray for you and if you want to you want the Lord to bless you with more courage and I feel like he'll do that. And I just want to pray for you, lay hands, not because of uh, anything that I necessarily have, but because of what the Lord's doing. So if you want just more courage in your life, like God, I want, that, I want you to take me over that place of indecision. Give me over that hump of indecision where I just, I step out and I, I trust you and I risk it. So if that's you, I want you to come on down. I want to, I want to pray for you.